You know, the word of God is the work of God. And I might say that the work of God is also the word of God. This is a fascinating study. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm James. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us as we go through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We do that every year and it's very exciting. And as we do, we listen and we hear what God is saying to us today is very, very important. As we study Psalm 33 in about five minutes, we're going to look at that. But later on, Corey and Ryan are coming up. Corey. I'm going to be taking a look over the next couple of days at some life essentials, not only in the ancient world, but today as well. Ryan? Well, today is promised. I'm going to be continuing my study of some of the largest underwater creatures that God made. Yeah, that's interesting. Underwater creatures, large ones. Very good. Okay, and they're coming up in about 20 minutes time. And in about 25 minutes, Janice? Rejoice in the Lord, our hope. All right, take your Bible guide. Let's open up the Bible and listen. Psalm 33, 1 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to Him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all His work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Psalm 33, verses 1 through 8. There are four chapters we're going to look at today. Psalm 33, Psalm 34, Psalm 35, and Psalm 36. Now rejoicing in the Lord is the essence of praising God. Praise God. When we praise God, we're telling the truth in a world full of lies. The truth. As Christians, our goal is to fulfill the will of God, and the will of God makes us a people devoted to truth. A big part of that devotion is praising God, because that's truth. It is also devotion to telling others who do not know God about the one called Yeshua HaMashiach, or Jesus the Christ, salvation, the Messiah. When the Lord commanded that we go into the world and tell the good news about him and what he's done for us, many people believe it can be true or cannot be true. Well, Psalm 33 explains that praising God is reflected in the way we do things, not just in what we say, not in how well we sing or how well we talk, but in every way that we live. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Psalm 33, verse 3. When we read and study the book of Psalms, we are studying how our lives are to change. Now, remember that God is about 
changing us. God is about shifting our attitudes and our ideas away from rebellion and to his way. That's fascinating. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we study the word and work of God. Psalm 33 verses one through eight. And let me just say, thank you so much for being forgiving. It's very good. And uh, in this time is very difficult. And Father, I pray for people that you would touch them, Lord, and respect uh, all of their gifts. They are such wonderful people. When they give to this ministry, they're giving to a ministry of Jesus Christ, a ministry of the Lord. And so help them, Lord, and touch them today and be with them and protect them now, Lord. Regardless of what's going on in the world, in Jesus' name, amen. So what you want to do is write or call, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and you're seconds away from downloading it exactly how we printed it. Now, Father, we pray today and we, we come into your presence. We're going to study your word. We're going to study the work, which is really the same thing. So help us to get it. Because so many times we compartmentalize things. But Lord, help us to hear what your psalm says. In Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen. Make it so, Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's pay attention and listen to the scripture because it's important. Psalm 33, verses 1 through 3. Here is what the Bible says. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. For praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Boy, this is, this is inspiring. The new song is our changing lives because of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. We should seek to be more like him in our life. Now, Somebody said to me once, well, when I come to know the Lord, can I live the way I want to live? And, and I had to explain to them, well, no, we are Christ followers. So we live the way God has instructed us to live because he knows what it is that damages us and what it is that devastates us. And we have to live in a way that we are not damaged and devastated no matter how we feel. So it becomes very interesting. And nevertheless, we need to remember that when we praise the Lord, we praise the Lord for his work in our lives. Now, the 10-stringed instrument. Okay, here you go. Isn't that great? That's loud. The 10-stringed instrument. That's the best way to praise the Lord. And you don't need any extra equipment to do it. So let's keep in mind that our lives must shift and change. And we must praise the Lord when we have victories in our lives. Because the Holy Spirit helped us to do it. Psalm 33, verses 4 and 5. Here's what it says. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. Right and truth. He loves righteousness, being right with him. He loves justice, and the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Now, this is stunning. The word of God, or the logos of Yeshua, is the work of God or the work of Yeshua. So the word of God is the work of God. We should read the word of God daily and make it a part of our lives. We should read the word of God daily and make it a part of our lives. I'm going to ask a question. I don't want you to answer the question publicly, but have you read the Bible today? 
or are you just watching this program? This is a program that encourages you. Yes, you watch the program, but most importantly, read the Bible. Because the Bible changes us. Beloved, every single day, that's so important. We need to praise God because it's in the Bible. 150 Psalms praising the Lord. And we need to keep that in mind. So I encourage you to read the Bible. This is a program that brings you the Bible. We're dedicated to bringing it to you. Very, very interesting. All right, let's go on to verses six, seven, and eight. This is fascinating. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, all the stars, everything else, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth, the birds and everything that flies, the bugs. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth Fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Now, this is really important. The number third point. God is the maker of all things, beloved. He is the creator of the universe. When we sing our praise to God, it is truth because he is the maker of everything. God has made all things. Now, I know that there are people who believe that we all came into existence by accident. Nobody thought about us and, you know, we're just a random chance. But let me tell you something. Psalm 139 is very clear. Psalm 19 is very clear. This is very in several places in scripture. Jesus, when he talked about the beginning of time, was very clear. God is the maker of everything. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are very clear. We need to understand that it's not a random accident or, I don't know, something happened. The universe has been going on forever. No, it is not. It's a finite universe, even though we can't count everything because we can't see everything. But nevertheless, the universe was stretched out and it will come back together very quickly, let me tell you. So we need to remember that, beloved. This, this Psalms are tell us the truth about what God has done. And so let's listen to the Bible and let's let the Bible change our hearts regardless of the cost of the education we paid to educate us otherwise. It's important for us to know that the Bible is free for a reason. And we need to pay attention to it. We need to listen to what it says and how it says it. Do that today. A lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living. All right, so today and tomorrow, we are going to be taking a look at some life essentials. Now, today they are still life essentials, but because we are living in a you know post-industrialized society, we're not as involved in the processing of our life essentials, of our food, of our water, of um, you know things of that nature. 
However, in the ancient world, this was a very important, very frontline kind of issue. Today, we're going to be taking a look at salt, its importance in the ancient world, in the ancient diet, and how it was gathered. Take a look. It's a commonly known truth in ancient Near Eastern studies that salt was an important staple of everyday life. Salt enhances the flavor of food, increasing the enjoyment of the meal, and it had many other practical uses. Salt enabled the preservation of fish and other meats, as well as fruits and vegetables, making it an invaluable tool of survival. It was used in the production of cheese, in the processing of leather, the glazing of bricks and ceramics, textile dyeing, medicine, and cosmetics. Salt had religious significance, including as an important addition to the sacrificial offerings of Israel. It was also used as an offensive weapon in warfare. After a conquering army had taken territory or destroyed a city, if they wanted to really drive home the destruction, they would sow the city and surrounding fields with salt. Symbolically, this preserved its destruction. Physically, it made the fields inhospitable to crops, making rebuilding an unlikely, or at least a very difficult, affair. Because of all these uses, salt was a prized commodity, and the fact that it's long-lasting and easy to store accounts for its famous use as payment to soldiers in the Roman period. In biblical Israel, it has recently been proven that salt production and harvesting happened along Israel's northern Mediterranean coast and not just in the more obvious Dead Sea region. There were several steps and environmental factors needed to harvest sea salt. First, the source of the salt, in this case the Mediterranean Sea, watertight evaporating pans for the water to settle and evaporate in, leaving behind the crystallized salt, and weather that was hot and dry for long enough to facilitate large-scale evaporation. Today, the visible remains of 28 ancient salt works have been explored. They consist of rock-cut channels, wells, and large evaporating pans that are located around modern Haifa. Due to their reuse throughout the ages, it's impossible to know for sure how old they are, although researchers are confident that they were in use from at least the 2nd century BC to the 13th century AD. To harvest salt from the sea, water first has to be collected. This was done in a few ways depending on the topography of the seashore. A lifting slope could be carved in a rocky shoreline, or a channel could be cut or created that would utilize wave energy to move the water in towards the pan or a well. If the water was collected in a well, it would need to be lifted out and directed toward the evaporating pan which itself was a large, shallow pool either naturally occurring or carved in the ground. Animals with a bucket and pulley system, or a chain and bucket system, were often used to lift seawater out of the wells and into conveying channels. Once in the evaporating pans, the seawater was left to evaporate. The salt would then be harvested by hand, stacked in piles, and collected for distribution. I hope you find learning about this ancient technology as interesting as I do. It really just helps me put the people of the Bible in their proper context and really understand and appreciate the things that they had to do in order to survive. Just because, like I said earlier, we're so far removed from many of these life-sustaining processes as we were even a few hundred years ago, uh, just because of the industrialized nature of first world countries. But yeah, I digress. Really interesting to learn 
uh, how uh, salt was harvested in the ancient world. It really is. And there are things called the salt covenant. There are things, there's a yep. lot of interesting things here. And, uh, you know, salt was a big deal. Yep. Not as much today simply because of everything with chemicals and preserving, but salt was a big deal. Yeah, it, it, it really was for Excellent. preservation and lots of good things. Excellent, Corey. Thank you, Right. All right, well, today I'm continuing my three-part study in which we're exploring some of the largest underwater animals known to man. And the reason we're doing this is because the Psalms often worship and acknowledge God as the creator. And so I want to share with you some of God's mightiest creations. Now, yesterday we specifically looked at marine reptiles, and today we're going to be focused on some of the largest underwater mammals. Now, while some of them now seem to be extinct, others are still with us. As a matter of fact, the largest creature that God ever created, as far as we know, is an underwater mammal that is still with us today. Can you guess what it is? While the sea has been home to many monumentally massive fish and reptiles, the fossil record reveals that some of the very largest of the underwater life have actually been mammals. For instance, while many are familiar with the gentle seaweed grazing dugongs and manatees, endearingly referred to as cows of the sea, very few are aware that there were once monstrous versions of these animals. Consider Hydrodemolus gigas, or as it is more commonly referred to, Stellar Sea Cow. It's named after the doctor and naturalist Wilhelm Steller, who in 1741 first discovered and observed these creatures in action before they went extinct. Steller was on board the ship of famous Danish explorer Vitus Bering, for whom the Bering Strait received its name, when they became shipwrecked on an island that now also bears Bering's name. Stranded for months, Steller had the rare opportunity to observe herds of these gigantic sea cows, which lived in the shallow waters surrounding the islands in the Bering Sea. Over the months, the doctor was able to record many details about these gentle and peaceful creatures. Though they had rather small heads, their bodies were massive. In fact, they could grow to lengths of up to 25 feet or more and weigh up to more than 10 tons. Steller also noticed that this slow-moving beast of the sea seemed totally unafraid of people, as it would pay no attention to the boats that came right up to it. Another extinct marine animal of monstrous proportions was the snake-like Bacillosaurus. Though its name means king reptile, it was actually a mammal and interestingly had many similarities to whales. For example, like whales and in fact all other marine mammals, Bacillosaurus gave birth to live young and suckled them with milk underwater. It's also believed that Bacillosaurus had a tail-like fluke or flipper, which could move up and down. Though similar to whales in many respects, it also had significant differences. One major difference was its very long snake-like body and relatively small head. Rivaling the sperm whale in length, Bacillosaurus could grow to be 65 feet long and weigh in at anywhere between 8 to 10 tons. Yet the most massive of all the marine mammals, and in fact the most massive animal in the entire world as far as we know, is Balanoptera musculus, which is actually still alive today. Commonly known as the blue whale, this massive monster can reach lengths of up to 100 feet and weigh up to 200 tons. Its tongue alone weighs more than an elephant, and its heart is about the size of a compact automobile, weighing more than half a ton. It contains 10 tons of blood and is so massive that a small child could crawl through one of its major blood vessels. Yet the blue whale breaks more than just size records. For instance, it's the fastest growing animal on Earth, 
it migrates farther than any other and is also the loudest, with a whistle that can reach 188 decibels. So over the last couple of days, we've seen some of the largest reptiles and mammals of the sea. But we're not done yet because tomorrow we're going to turn our attention to the fish. And these massive creatures are an amazing testimony to their brilliant creator. Now, I don't know about you, but studies like these give me a new appreciation for the world that God has made for us. Now, of course, it's currently marred by sin and death because of man's disobedience in Eden. But soon and very soon, Jesus Christ is coming to redeem it all. It will all be made new. And I, I, I think about, you know, Romans 8, where it says all creation groans waiting for the revealing of the sons of man. And I think about all of that. And when I look at these creatures, uh, I, I, I like you, I am totally amazed. And we mm -hmm. talked yesterday about the creatures so far down that their blood glows, you know, and it's just amazing. And this whale is huge. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've stunning. seen a baby one. Yeah, I did too in person and it was st <laughs> stunning. It, really. I mean, <laughs> its eyes are like on both sides of it. And it's like, what in the world? It's just amazing. It is an yeah. amazing I mean, if creature. you're out in the middle of the water and you see that, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. You, you can't I mean. You, it, it, Brace you, yourself. You, right? Because you're going to swim, but it just, you know, it's fast. Too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the blue whale is absolutely stunning. And these are creatures that God created mm -hmm. with this creativity. That's amazing to me. Uh, thank you so much for that piece. And thank you, Corp, for your piece. Janice? Rejoice in the Lord, our hope is what I entitled my segment today, taking a look at Psalm 33. And I don't know about you, but I really enjoy um, going through the Psalms. I like reading them myself. I read them out loud. I believe that when we read the Bible out loud, it literally changes the atmosphere uh, around us. Um, and, and often as I'm getting ready for work, I listen to my Bible and I listen to the Psalms and, and it, I, I just find it very, very encouraging. And so today we're looking at Psalm 33. I'm going to read the first three verses. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. And a lot of people, they think that they can't sing. They don't play an instrument. Oh, I'm just not musical at all. I've heard that over and over again. But you know what? I take a look at this. I, I like to simplify everything. And it says, praise the Lord with the harp, make melody to him with an instrument of 10 strings. And I think, you know, God gave us an instrument, these instruments of 10 strings, and we can clap and we can praise the Lord even in that. And our voices, God does not listen to the quality of the notes. God listens to what comes from our very heart towards him. So I encourage you, rejoice. And as this says, praise from the upright is beautiful. God loves to hear our praise. And so let's continue to do that. I'm going to just say a couple of things here that I think are interesting about this psalm. Uh, the dominant theme, one of the dominant themes in this psalm is the word of the Lord. And we hear statements about the word of the Lord. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. We hear, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. We see the glory and the majesty of God and his word. Uh, we also see um, the majesty of the works of the Lord in this psalm. 
It has 22 verses, which when we understand that one of the dominant themes is the word of the Lord is really kind of cool. It's kind of appropriate because that's consistent with the number of letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So 22 verses, 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So I just I just think those couple of things are really kind of neat to, to point out here as we go through the Psalms. And I've got a little star here for myself on my notes. Last three verses sums up the heart of the believer, the follower of the Lord, and I have read it. So we're going to flip the page over here. We're going to read verses 20, 21, and 22, coming from the heart of the believer, the follower of Jesus Christ. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. And this is something with our relationship as we begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many things that begin to change as we follow him. Our hearts begin to change. When our hearts begin to change, the way we think begins to change. If we keep ourselves moldable in our walk with God, when we come to his word as the authority, and we've heard in this that the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. We hear that by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. If we can understand just these two simple verses, the magnitude of the simplicity is immeasurable. Our God is powerful. He is almighty. And if we can come to his word, knowing that, that is going to change who we are. And then it becomes Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. If you are facing difficulties today, if you are going through a season where you feel like you are in a drought, hold on. Press into God. Don't pull away. This is the time to press in. Get into his word. Read the Psalms. Pray the Psalms. Use your hands and your instruments and your voice to praise God because praise is beautiful from your lips. And Learn, he is our help and our shield. Our heart shall rejoice in him because we trust in his name. Not our name, not the other names that are out there, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us, just as we hope in you. I want to remind you that if you have a phone, an iPhone or an Android, you can go to the phone store. And when you go there, look for Bible discovery because we have phone apps ready for you. You can do it on the iPad or any any kind of uh, pad that you use as well. But let me just say that if you do that, you'll get our 24-7 stream downloaded and all that stuff. It'll be great. All the programs are there too. But let's pray now and say, Lord, I pray that I would come into perfect submission to you in Jesus' name. 